Live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. Even at like seven, I was very cheap, and I'm like, I'm gonna have this this shirt for a long time. I can't even comprehend this question. I wouldn't want land. I wouldn't want animals. I don't want any of that. I don't want scenery. I don't want space. No, it didn't look like... I don't like, want open spaces at all. It didn't look like there was a... within miles of that place. I'm out. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go on a Wednesday. Battleborn Broadcast Center, home of Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Justin Watkins, ESPN Las Vegas Legal Insider up in about... 15 minutes, lots of local issues to get to and some legal issues. Uh, wondering how much trouble Joey Chestnut is in for that awesome chokehold that he got on for a second with the protester the other day. So that's coming up in just a little bit. We've got NFL news in. Finally, a Baker Mayfield trade goes down. we got Raiders news in. VGK schedule is starting to emerge. So busy, busy Wednesday. Let's do it. It's the three on Cofield and Company. Adam Hill is here as the company. Remember tonight on ESPN Las Vegas, Aces Liberty 6.30 pregame. We do all the home games right here on ESPN Las Vegas. So Aces Liberty coming up. I'm surprised you made it today. I thought you uh, were going to be stuck on the Oakland City Council meeting, which I don't even understand how that place works. Is that commonplace in local government that you're doing city council meetings until like 10, 11 at night? It was especially called meeting with a bunch of things that they had to get to. And yeah, the, I mean, it kept going and going. And then there were so many people on there that are obviously just waiting for the A's vote to happen. And it just kept dragging on and on and on. And then at one point, like around 1030, the, one of the commissioners was like, can we push this off till tomorrow? Let's just, let's just stop the meeting and then come back tomorrow. And two of them were like, no, no, we're, we're pushing through. We're not coming back tomorrow. We're getting through this. Nice. So finally, sometime around, I think it was around 11 o'clock, uh, they had the discussion about uh, the A's, and the the discussion last night revolved around whether or not, because it was there's a deadline coming up, I think that was part of why they had to have a special meeting, uh, that if they wanted to put the A's you know, financing and stadium plan on the ballot for November in the general election, they have to do so by, I guess it was this week, and they voted no to that. And that would have been I, – I definitely saw people in Oakland that said, hey, if the city council vote goes wrong and they put this on the ballot, the A's might announce tonight that they're moving to Vegas. Yeah, I don't know about that because I still don't know that they have a site or any sort of agreement. But I get your point because explain to people who don't understand what happens when stadiums and funding goes on a ballot for public vote. Loses. Always. Yeah. Like, especially in California, it's – I think out of the gate, you're automatically 60-40 against, and that might be shooting way too high. And, and there's all kinds of politics involved. I mean, the, the the main the main guy who was pushing, putting it on the ballot is, the, I believe from context of how the conversations were going, is the guy that represents the part of the city where the Coliseum currently is. Right. And his whole thing was like, let's keep it there. Let's keep it here. Let's put money, money into that, <laughs> yeah. and let's keep it there. Um, and I, I, I also, I understand the city council's, healthy skepticism about all the details of the actual deal. I don't trust the A's. I mean, with the games they've been playing with us, who knows what they're going to come forth with. So I didn't, I did notice a couple of them are like, Hey, we still reserve the right to down the road, put this on the ballot for a public vote. If the funding isn't agreeable. 
And it, there was some, I, I don't know if that could happen for this year. No, it'd be a special election in January. Oh, is that right? Yeah, wouldn't and, that, that be a hoot? And that An they, they talked about special, that. Wow, they talked about that. Wow, and they said, "Well, hey, if we want to put this on, we can still do it." Now, part of part of what happened, and, and I think all these things happen in politics, and it's it's just so it's so frustrating to to go through it. But you know, the the guy who again was pushing for the Coliseum, he said, "Well." We don't know. We don't know if we're gonna like who's gonna be responsible if there's shortfalls in the tax district and all this other stuff. And the the lady from the city came on, and she said this was already vote like there, we already have a bill that was in July of last year yeah. that you guys passed that said the team has to be responsible for so that. So they believe they do have it. So the, yeah. So they said the framework of the deal already involves that. You already voted on that. So right. what are you talking about? Well, you know why he was doing it. Of course. Well, he's doing it for to showboat and to, well, first of all, to well, try to can, get the stadium in the Coliseum. Well, you know, you can go back to your area and be like, hey, I tried. Yeah, you exactly. Know, they, they all shot me down. I tried. Yeah. I'm your guy. So, But that's what that's what's frustrating about politics. We talked about this with some of the hearings uh, with, you know, the NFL in front of the in front of Congress and uh, some of that silliness. But, uh, yeah, last night was a, another, another, another small victory, uh, but a very important victory for the A's to stay in Oakland. And I, I also the, want it, to point out to people just yeah. because I get a lot of the, hey, we don't want baseball or we're like the, the decision to me right at this point is not is Vegas getting baseball. It's is Vegas getting the A's or an expansion team. I mean, v- baseball's coming to Las Vegas. Interesting. Where it's, are they? Where are they going to play? Well, I mean, I'm not saying next year. Right. But what's what do you think is the most promising site or backer of a stadium or potential owners? Well, I don't think we know yet. I mean, I mean is, is, it, is it the Bedane Light Wiki Group? Do they have enough land down there to, At build, a baseball a, stadium? to, to build a baseball stadium along with a basketball arena? Maybe, but I, I mean, the Tropicana site seems pretty interesting also, of like just putting it on the actual strip. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Which, what, what, by the way, would then go to a discussion we had yesterday, which I'll run by Justin Watkins, Tick Siegerbloom, throwing out the point that, you know what, pedestrian traffic? I'm sorry, car traffic on the strip? It's enough. Let's close it down. Okay. Interesting. I mean, they did it in Times Square. I mean, we did it in a much smaller area with Fremont. We survived. Much smaller area. Yeah. And, I I mean, at some point with – I mean, it it, it sucks locally, obviously, to try to navigate streets if the strip isn't there, if the strip isn't accessible for cars. But for people that are down there – you know, with the loop expanding and it's going to get bigger and bigger and the monorail is still there and, like, there are still ways to get around, mm-hmm. uh, I think it makes some sense on some level. It just sucks for locals that actually drive around a lot. Let's, uh, let's continue that point in about 20 minutes with Justin Watkins. Summer basketball has started. We get it here tomorrow, NBA Summer League. Salt Lake's got their little summer league dealio. And uh, my guy, the guy I said should be number one in the draft, Chet Holmgren, Again, it's a summer league game, but he he did blow up and had the internet's going pretty crazy yesterday. Are so. you gonna go full the unicorn? Are you gonna go full mayor of Oklahoma City? You oh, see, no. you see that guy? What happened? He said he he on Twitter he got on there he retweeted the highlights of Holmgren. Nice. And he said, "Not gonna freak out about summer league. Not gonna freak out about summer league. Not gonna freak out about summer league. Clear my schedule for June." Like okay, <laughs> That's okay, awesome. settle down, Mayor. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to the championship this year uh, with Chet Holmgren, but the odds certainly shifted significantly uh, for Chet Holmgren to win Rookie of the Year based Is on that his right. Performance. On oh, yeah. oh yeah, oh, come on. oh yeah. I mean, people are freaking out. Uh, I mean, it was really good performance. 
Uh, first ever player, I believe, in the summer league to go five blocks, four three pointers in his first ever summer league action. I mean, that's a that's a record. So good, good for Chet. But he looked really, really good. There, there's no question about it. And you know, people that thought he could, you know, again, it's summer league. It's not. It, this is basically a college all star game. It's not. It's not the NBA. But you know, he looked good. I think that's promising, at least. Second person to jump on the uh, Chet bandwagon should be. Suck it up, LeBron lady in Oklahoma City. Remember the uh, billionaire wife who owned a bunch of truck stops? Sure. Suck it up, LeBron. She's in. Now, the only thing is, that was 2016. Is she still alive? Oh, boy. Vast research crew here at Lotus Broadcasting is efforting to that right now. But I would think she'd be very much on board because I have a feeling she had certain leanings anyway. Sure. That led to her being anti-LeBron. So Chet might fill those leanings. Well. Fit the bill. Well, then you'd have to hear, like, he probably... She might be surprised about how he, how he thinks and how he, like how he believes and how he was raised, and that maybe she wouldn't be his thrill. Chad or LeBron, both. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Browns roll the dice. They finally rid themselves of Baker Mayfield. Panthers roll the dice by taking on Baker Mayfield. We'll get to the Browns angle, which is quite risky with all the tanging over them with Deshaun Watson. What did the Panthers just do here in? Getting Baker Mayfield, they're going to pay $8 million of his $18.8 million salary, and now they've brought in someone to compete with Sam Darnold, who I would say has an advantage on Sam Darnold. I don't know that he's a lock to keep the job if he sucks, uh, but for Baker Mayfield, at least it's a fresh start, and he's got a one-year audition to get you know back in the good graces with NFL teams and get a real deal. And the Panthers have two of the top three picks from the same draft on their roster at the same time. Which says a lot about you know how hard it is in the NFL to – Nail it with the quarterbacks, even in the top five pick. But and here's the thing. like, I think Baker Mayfield is a special case because he actually was really good. He had a point. very good season for the Browns, and he had a couple of really good seasons for the Browns. And last year played through injury, and for whatever – like, he wasn't happy with how they treated him, and they weren't happy with how he dealt with injury. And uh, there was clearly a lot of division. I mean, the uh, the famous don't read, in, don't read too much into it, but do – sideline video where nobody was nobody would come over and talk to Baker or give him a high five or anything and he was just kind of on his own it seemed like he was isolated from the team for whatever reason we don't really know the the ins and outs of it but it's not like he's a he's been a disaster and Sam Darnold still I think is talented he's been the victim of some really ugly rosters no offense to your Jets but we I think we still don't really know where Sam Darnold is so interesting that they have two players that have a lot of talent and I think could could be successful but is this the right situation for either of them? And does the right one win out that has a chance to actually do something? More on Baker Mayfield with a former college quarterback, Caleb Herring, in the 4 o'clock hour. But up next, a little more on the NFL and some of the legal wranglings as we'll get into that weird Chargers story that came out just a little while ago about the, the sister of Dean Spanos suing Dean Spanos because she says, uh, bruh, where's the money? What's going on here? Lawsuit has been filed. Coming up next, ESPN Las Vegas legal analyst Justin Watkins joins Cofield and Company in studio to break down the biggest legal stories in the world of sports. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to present the facts only on Cofield and Company. Oh boy, this is going to be a bang up discussion. I'm going to hold it off for like 12 minutes, but we will get to... What's going on with conference realignment? Because Justin and I have had the discussion many times about what politicians and public servants in the state should be doing. 
for UNLV and somewhat Reno to get a piece of this. Because I think public servants and politicians are going to be a big part, or at least some loud voices in this in other states, but we're getting to that in about 10 minutes. Very important stuff. First of all, will Joey Chestnut be available for the hot dog eating contest after his vicious attack on a protester where he got him in a quick choke and then admitted that he probably went overboard. And I'm thinking to myself, we don't say anything on this show that could be something that comes back at us without talking to each other. We talk to him every day. Where's his attorney? Well, uh, I'm gonna, he did not say he went overboard. Okay. He said he wished it didn't happen, okay. which is different. Okay. And he, he said, I, I realized he was a kid. And then I, w- you know, I wished he didn't, hadn't got on stage. I wish he wasn't wearing a mask. I wish it didn't happen, which is different than saying he went overboard. Do I think he went overboard? Borderline. I think he, I think he's right there. What I think is a, a major component. Will he get sued? He's going to get sued. I guarantee it. Um, but, Come on. but the question is, like, do you ultimately think you would be successful in front of a jury with that video? And I think my guess is that most juries right now are not going to be sympathetic towards protesters that they're tired of that stuff. Your average everyday person who's going to be sitting in the jury box is not going to feel bad for the streaker who gets taken out in Portland, not going to feel bad for the protester wearing a mask that bumps into chestnut. He doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know what's going on. Turns and sees a mask. You know, if, if he's like me and he's in the middle of stranger things, you know, you, you got to react. You got to protect yourself. Legally, legally, what is what is the relevance in terms of situation, right? Where if Joey Chestnut's standing there and it's just him, he's standing up there hanging out with his friends and somebody's up there, that seems ridiculous. But he is in the middle of the biggest event of his year in a timed competition, a total panic sp- situation is that relevant legally? Totally, right? So whether or not he's negligent, or they would actually probably bring more claims than just negligent, they would bring assault claims and battery claims. Those are intentional torts. So th- that means it was his intent to insult, uh, uh, insult, assault, or batter him, or neglig- negligence. It was he went overboard, not intentionally. It wasn't the purpose for him acting the way he acted. And in all those circumstances, it's going to be in in the negligence context. What would a reasonable person do under the same or similar circumstances? And so what do we get to include in those circumstances? Ultimately, whatever the judge allows you to include. But certainly here, the fact that his attention is focused on this hot dog eating competition, that there's a crowd around, that there's supposed to be security, and then somebody comes in. And makes it past security onto the stage in front of him wearing a mask. All that, I believe, is relevant. Um, And to whether or not his reaction went too far in attempting to protect himself. No doubt he had the right to protect himself. He got bumped into. Whether or not he then reacted and went overboard went beyond the the threat he was being, the, the physical threat that was imposed upon him. He's allowed to answer that with the same level. Did he go too far? I don't think he did. Well, I mean, I'm sure this is just something you would also bring up in the trial, but it would be admissible and relevant to say this is like if I am distracted from this, it's my biggest payday. It's not his biggest payday, but it's his most prestigious event of the year. Like I need to do this just to defend my my paycheck, my record, my history, 
like all those things would i'm sure be relevant in his mind so that would be allowed in court too. yeah it's going to be relevant because again they're going to bring claims about intentional actions you did this with the intent of harming him and once they've made an allegation about what your intent was then absolutely you get to talk about what was going on in your mind Here's where I was thinking. Here's where my mind was. And here's why I did what I did for sure. So we're talking about the uh, protester jumped up on stage during the 4th of July hot dog eating contest with uh, Chestnut in the middle of the stage. And Chestnut gets him in a quick choke. And then I think security kind of dragged the guy out or he had a beautiful escape. And then George Shea got in there. If you're filing on behalf of the protester, you're going after who? Chestnut? Certainly Major League Eating, right? That's who runs things. And they have all the money. I mean, I'm not I'm not taking this case, right? That. <laughs> No way I'm in on this case. You because just think it's I, a losing I, case of what you laid out earlier? Right. I don't think the jury is in your favor. And I also think that there is the potential, small, but there is the potential that this is a case that could be thrown out by the court based on assumption of risk, right? He's breaking the rules when he goes up on stage. He knows he's breaking the rules. And what's the risk of breaking that rule? The risk is that you're going to get tackled, removed physically. Yeah. You've consented to the kind of touching that Joey Chestnut instituted upon you. I don't think most courts would throw it out, but it's right there. It's right there on the line, and I could see I could see some courts doing it. And you know what? I, it's not a case I would move forward with, but if I was going to, yeah, you name them all. You what have a, to. Not to not to promote anarchy, and I guess I'm in a bad position here because I'm very pro hot dog, but I also understand that Smithfield has issues. Um, what a poorly planned protest in terms of like really doing damage. Don't you have to do research and know that Chestnut has a bum leg? Don't yeah. you have to go for the leg, try to get him down, and then stand up there by yourself? And then Adam's point about the contest, the con I don't know what the hell they do in the contest. If this guy's got a tendon issue and a walking boot, protester takes him down. The contest is... It's what, done, right? The movie what do you do? Stop it? Take him, take him out and then start eating his dogs? Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> then, you, oh. then you start taking his dogs, and then the security's like, wait a minute. Does Chestnut get the credit for this? Should we take this kid out here? Well, at a minimum, the other thing is reversals are illegal. You have to go up and punch him in the stomach. Oh, yeah. Again, I'm Body not promoting shot. anarchy, but if you're going to do this, fella, I think it was a guy. It was. Do it the right way. Get max effective you're, as you're that. A, I, I think these things through. Yeah, I try to get in the mind of, you're sick. Of, of, the, of the crazy. All right. Well, I'm not as sick as the Portland Pickle. How about that guy? Sure. You love mascots. So a streaker runs on the field in this, uh, whatever it is, independent league, Portland, Oregon game. And the mascot comes over and wails on him. He knocked him out, didn't he? It looked like he it. He knocked him out cold. He didn't, he didn't punch him, though. He just, yeah. I'll say, chest bumped him yeah. to shoulder. Yeah, there you go. The guy, was, whoever, whoever the streaker was, was little. Uh, I think he was just super hammered, and that's why he oh, went down man. hard. He you know, went down. I mean, that was bad. <laughs> he did. But I think, again, this one, 100%, I believe, will get thrown out by the court. Because if you're going to jump on the field and run, what do you know as an absolute is going to be attempted? Tackle you. They're going to tackle you, right? <laughs> yeah. That's the number one risk you assume when you jump on the field is they are going to attack, attack you, tackle you. And that's exactly – I mean, he didn't even tackle him. He just kind of ran into him. In a big, soft, fuzzy pickle costume. But the, 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 that's why I think the guy was just super hammered. He was not ready to take any sort of shot. And when he went down, there was no fight left in him. There was not much evasiveness. No. He got destroyed. <laughs> yeah. He got he just took the bump. He's not. His case, if he brought it, would get thrown out right away.
Justin Watkins, 5709000 is the number here at Battleborn Injury Lawyers. We're in the uh, Battleborn Broadcast Center. So Dean Spanos is being sued by his sister. Yep. There's been a lot of fighting with the Spanos family. Yes. Does the sister have anything here? I don't think so. You know, so what, the way the ownership goes is there's four siblings. They each own 15%. And then the trust that they were all beneficiaries of own 36% with 4% having some minor ownership. So if any one of them and the trust are in line together, that's 51%. And that's the majority. All three siblings other than Dia are together on this. The Dean, um, oh, now their names escape me. Anyway, they're all together on, on the same side that says Dia's out of her mind, why she's bringing these claims, and whether or not it's got anything to do with misogyny is just out there. She wants to cash in on her money. She thinks because we have we incurred $300 million in debt and moving to Los Angeles and raising the profile of our of our team from a one billion to probably five billion dollar team means we got to sell. She clearly doesn't understand how these finances sort of work, and she has no real access to them. And so, I I, I don't believe she's ultimately going to be successful. Um, you know, if ultimately if she just really wanted to cash out, I mean, I if I'm part of the family, I'm like, hey, yeah, we'll buy your we'll portion. Buy you out. Yeah, we'll buy you out, but we're keeping it. We're keeping ours, and we'll dilute you out and um, go ahead and do it. But she clearly wants to, like, hurt them. She wants them to sell and them not to own either, and and she gets her payday. It sounds like there's not much of a case anyway, but it would also be relevant, I'm assuming, that there is a flip tax built in where the NFL said, hey, if you try to sell this team within 10 years yep. of moving, there's gonna be, I think it's 15% still, and it, it depreciates over time, but – it's fifteen percent that you have to pay back to the NFL. It, there's no, there's no reason to sell. Like, it would be stupid to sell, right? I, I think that there would have to be uh, an exception in that if it was court ordered. So let's say she were to be winning her case, and the court made an order for them to sell the property as part of liquidation, as part of this dispute. I'm sure that they could avoid that tax based on a court order, um, but. This is not, not going to happen. It's not going to happen, right? Like, if she's so sure that she's losing money with her 15% interest, then she could sell hers. And I'm sure they're more than happy to buy it. All right. We're setting the stage for Justin Watkins, Oregon State grad. Adam Hill doesn't trumpet this very often, but UNLV grad. We've got College Conference Armageddon. Will there be a Pac-12? Will Oregon State have anywhere to reside? Will UNLV be picked up by Power 5? That's all in the way. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000, with your questions today. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to lay down the law. Only on Cofield and Company. Company. All right, let's talk about college sports and conference realignment. USC and UCLA surprised everybody. LA market being picked up by the Big Tens, and everyone's starting to scramble again. We see who wants to work together. You know, what kind of backstabbing goes on. Um, from what I've read on social media, the maturity of college sports fans is it's embarrassing. Uh, the, the knowledge and the thirst for knowledge of other schools and other conferences also embarrassing so before we put on our fan hats here and talk about what's going to happen with the big 12 the acc and the pac-12 uh, let's talk from a, pub a public service standpoint public servant standpoint right yep. so i want to get to nevada in a second you went to oregon state 
it seems to me right now that Oregon's like, screw it, man. Phil Knight, he's basically the, the governor of Oregon. And if Oregon State's involved, okay. If not, F him. And the same thing, Washington and Washington State. So as a former public servant, what do you think is going on behind the scenes? Is there, Are there efforts to, to intervene here, give some opinions, flex a little bit and go, wait a second, you just can't bail on the Pac-12 Oregon and just leave Oregon State behind? Yeah, I, I, I know that there's efforts behind the scenes to either, number one, tie the two together. I'm talking both states, Washington and in Oregon for Wazoo and University of Washington, Oregon, Oregon State to tie the two together, to tether those teams. And I, I think there's even a global sort of working to keep those four together in the Pacific Northwest um, in, in whatever conference realignment. I also believe that there is efforts within politics and government to do what's best for Oregon and do what's best for Washington. And go if you make it to the Big Ten, you go to the Big Ten and you leave everybody in the dust. By the way, I will throw in one note. Uh, and Roxy Bernstein, who's a Cal guy, Pac-12 Network, pointed out yesterday Phil Knight gives a lot of money to Oregon, but also gives money to Oregon State. And I think it was Stanford, too. Yeah, he's a big contributor. So, I mean, he's he's a, you know, Western region guy. Yeah. But I so your to your question, like, where do I think that public servants, um, what role do I think that they play in this? I hear a lot of people saying they should stay out of it. My personal opinion, and I guarantee you both of those states in this state and every other state that has any major university, the highest paid public employee is a head football coach at one of the universities. Second highest is probably the basketball coach, or you maybe flip flop those if you're in Kansas. Um, so you, the bulk of the funding for these universities is state funded. The fact, the, the success of the athletic department and all the other sports, it has a large implication on the quality of education that you can provide to all the other students and what kind of budget you must provide there after you know if you have an ultra successful football program and you're in a great conference and there's all this money left over well then that's less money that needs to be subsidized for all the other sports you can put more money into academics and you can forward the mission of the university so from my perspective a hundred percent public servants yeah, should be even, involved in this i don't this, even think there's an argument I yeah like it, when it comes down to bu the budgets alone yes like who makes up for the budget shortfalls we do the people yes. the government does so that brings us to I still feel like there's been no chatter about Reno and UNLV from public servants. From, oh, I agree. Like, what what is going on here now? Th again, we've been calling for this for a year. Do something to get to the big boy table. All right. Well, now the tables are being shuffled. Now there are openings. Mm -hmm. It's time to speak up and be aggressive. And and to Adam's point, I don't necessarily agree with the tactic, but we have facilities here that others want to use. I mean, during basketball in March, every one of our facilities is used for every conference tournament. We've got Allegiant that they want to use for national championships and conference championships and all that other stuff. All these major conferences, except for the SEC, it sounds like want to be here for their championship. Right. And why wouldn't you? And, and how can we leverage that to the benefit of UNLV and, I believe, UNR? The, another reason why... I think public servants need to be involved in this discussion for their respective states is I know for, for an instance, like Oregon and Oregon state, when they made decisions on which athletic programs to cut for title nine, it was done jointly so that each sport could maintain a presence in the state. 
They do a lot of things that way. Certain programs are offered at one university because they're not at the others. And that, that bleeds into athletics 100%. That's why there's track and field for a long time existed only at Oregon. Wrestling and baseball only existed at Oregon State. That was by design. They work together in partnership. And a lot of that's dictated at the policymaking level in state legislatures in the governor's mansion and like i don't believe in unlv should leave unr behind i don't believe unr should leave unlv behind it should be a joint discussion because frankly the money's coming from the same place it's coming from our budget and our elected leaders are the ones who who dig into the details of where the you know how that money's apportioned and and what our priorities are going to be with that money well i i would certainly and i know you you already referenced it but i would make the case don't tie them together. And if I'm Oregon in Oregon State, and I know it's it sucks for your school, yeah. but if I was on if I was uh, in the state government, I would say, wait a minute. If we tie them together, and these big conferences are like, no, yeah, we're we're gonna move on. We want Oregon. We don't want Oregon State. We're gonna move on from that. Like now you're now you're cutting out a massive potential revenue stream because you're trying to get equal for both of your schools. That could be a huge risk too, and I think oh, it's a sure. bigger. I think it's a bigger risk. It may be, and and the ultimate decision may be that it's better to split them up, right? I'm not saying that it's not, but let's say if the if the math was you move from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten, and you go from 28 million a year to 50 million a year, but then Oregon State goes from the Pac-12 to the Mountain West, it goes from 28 million to two million a year. Did that really was that really a benefit to the state university system? They're both part of the same state university system of higher education, right? Was it a net benefit? And that's where I, I, I'm not saying I know the answer to that, right. but and I'm then saying then you got to evaluate the, the that. The risk that you run is then they both drop down to like 10 million. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, okay, well, they're together at least Yeah. in Division Three. This is awesome. Right. Or whether packaging them together makes them more marketable to being if the Pac-12 is going to fall apart to being picked up together in the big 12. Now you both are at say 20 million. Is that better than having one at 50 and one at two? But everything I read says like the math doesn't work for Oregon or Washington to be part of the big 10 because that revenue share would have to have a $50 million price tag. And neither of those schools are valued anywhere close to that number. They're in the, they're in the 20 to $30 million media market value. So it would be, be a sort of a long-term investment into the future i don't know let's uh let's deal with reality in oregon state right yeah all that money's nice yeah in reality as an oregon state guy would it just be better off for oregon state to be in the mountain west it would not be better off uh <laughs> i mean because at that size school for what that school offers you know 28 million dollars in Market share is massive. huge. Yeah. It's massive. They can I do guess a my lot question of stuff. is: Are they are they competing at a level that should be expected? Well, they swept UCLA and USC last year. I, I think I think the issue with that I'm, is, I'm just asking you. Right. Yeah, you know it more than I do. Right. So you, the, you can say, "Hey, or, it's working." Believe or, me, I'll, I'll sit here and I'll sit here and defend my school. I've been doing it all over Twitter. Like you know, Rutgers made it to the Big Ten. Eventually, they're going to be getting north of hundred million dollars. They've already started moving in the right direction. They haven't been getting all the money from the conference yet because yep. the agreement was. Maryland and Rutgers get to come limping in. So while everyone's like, oh, they're terrible. Yeah, they're getting a freaking pittance. So what they've done so far has actually been a positive. So, yes, being in a Power 5 conference or Power 4 and getting a share of 40 to $125 million is a good thing. Yeah, and I mean, 
the fact that we and go. By the way, that's per school. That's not the whole conference. And right. Per school. Per school. Yeah. That's going to be the money in the power four or five. And yep. I also think to your point of, of the Mountain West, and I, it sucks to say it, but this is why we're so aggressive about UNLV. Mountain West is not going to be part of Division One anymore. Yeah. It's not. Like that, group, that's how, group, that's how, of, group of five will be on the outside looking in, that, whether it's 64, 70, 80 teams, whatever. They're essentially going to be Division Two. Yeah. What Division Two is now is what those conferences will be. That's why it's so important to get to these conferences. And, and I don't think it's going to be five anymore. One of the leagues is going away. It's going to be four. Yeah. Four leagues of 20, yeah. probably. Yeah, and you're talking about, 16 you're talking or about the idea they're floating of a Pac-12 plus ACC. Well, that's, cool. a, it's a, different, and that's a different. Those, they're just, that's survival. For them, they're just like, let's try to survive. Well, that that could that could wind up being a twenty-four or twenty-team conference sure. once the Big Ten and SEC but take from the ACC. I think it's the Big Twelve that's out. You know, it's funny. Sure. I, I've been saying this on the air multiple times that initially all the news was being reported from Big Twelve reporters, yep. and Big Twelve people yep. were like, "We're stable. We're good. <laughs> we're going to swallow up the Pac-12." And it's like, and I, I don't want to keep ripping on the Big Twelve, but you're a collection of Southwest conference schools that have traditionally been super dirty and kind of low on education. And then like some junior college type schools that are in the big 12, like you're not that solid. You just added BYU, central Florida, Cincy and Houston. Let's not act like you just, you know, added the behemoths. Houston's interesting. Well, you know, what's interesting. Let's not act like you added the behemoths of college athletics. Right. Well, and I was just reading up about this after losing LA area schools, the Pac-12's market media reach is about 14 million. The Big 12 currently is 15 million with all of theirs, right? right? So, like, we're there with 10 schools, yeah. and they got, what, you know, 12. And, 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 and here's the thing, that media we reach. Houston. Yeah. Oh, Houston, it's massive. It just keeps drawing. That media reach, if people aren't clear on what this is all about, it's mostly about the media reach. Yeah. It's TV money. I'm, I was pointing out to someone yesterday, uh, some guy, some radio guy in Louisville was like, this is so disappointing. Like, the county I grew up in is a bigger market than Louisville. The county. Yeah. Listen to this. Adam, you're going to love this idea. All right. The Pac-12, Pac-10, whatever, joined her with ACC. So it's the Pac-P-A-C-C. Okay. Pacific and Atlantic Coast Conference, right? We pick off the best of the Big 12. We get to 15 on each side. The Pac and Biggie. Right? So we got, we got 15 on each side of the coast. Yeah. Okay. Each side plays in their conference. We meet in the conference championship, but that's a lot of teams to be playing in. We got relegation. Oh, I love you, that. You know, you I've, got, you got, you got 10, 10 with a 10 underneath that doesn't get to play for the conference championship because they've been relegated. Yeah. And they got to earn their way into the league to play for the conference championship. Yeah. I mean, I, anything with relegation. Relegation. Relegation's the best. <laughs> yeah, it's the and, and I, I got to acknowledge, Oregon State would probably be relegated, but it's yeah, still be start, cool. You're going to start there. You can, <laughs> yeah. you can, work your way you can move up. That's All right, right. So from both of you guys, first with Adam. Because again, I've been discussing this for five days now. You and all these chances to get into an expanded Pac-12. If the Pac-12 is going to be is going to expand and survive, right? We're going to assume that first. I mean, we're starting to see more and more West Coast sources who are like, John Canzano is excellent. He's connected to Phil Knight. He covers the Oregon scene. Oregon is kind of the big player in this whole yep. thing. What they decide to do and what other conferences decide to do with the Ducks dictates what's going to happen in the Pac-12. So, say there's a Pac-12, right? And then they gotta they gotta add two or four more schools to beef up, but also you know somewhat replace the LA market. They're not gonna be able to do that. Well, they, they'll get San Diego State for sure. Okay. I mean that that they have they have to have a Southern California presence. San Diego State is now you know with the Padres, it's the biggest thing in Southern California with UCLA and UC, USC gone. So they're in. So San Diego State is one. I do think UNLV's chances are better than people think for several reasons. One facilities market. And, and I, there is some leverage that they can be used. And 
who's the head of the Pac-12 now? Mm-hmm. Where'd he come from? MGM. Yeah. So, like, I think there is enough connections and ties there and enough relationships there that it's very, it's much more possible than people think. But the football Ooh. program's never been good. Who cares? Well, but, l- like, let's remember, though, like... Obviously, I'm playing devil's advocate. That's the biggest, that's that's what the biggest everyone, booming sports market in the country. That's what well, everyone's been saying. That's what a lot of people have been saying about Vegas' chances. If you could do... UNLV's if you, if you were going to do that, if you were going to do San Diego State, UNLV, I'll say Houston and Baylor, right, to, to pick off the biggest market in the in the Big 12. And then you, you would have five of the fastest-growing markets in the country. The fastest-growing markets are all out here. It's Vegas. It's Salt Lake. Well, you might need to add Boise, but that's a crazy fast-growing market. Portland and Seattle, crazy fast-growing, right? And and so I think you would have a, a reason to look forward and say our media rights are just going to continue to grow. But then there's also precedent for exactly what you're talking about for UNLV in the Pac-12. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but the precedent is exactly how Arizona State got in in 1978, right? They were they were on the outside looking in, but they were in a in a, a media market that was growing. Phoenix was booming, it, and their school didn't qualify academically for everything that it needed, and sports wasn't doing anything, and they were granted this sort of 10-year intro into the league to get their academics exactly where they needed them to be, to get the athletics where they needed them to be, and then they were a full share, and it changed the trajectory of Arizona State. There's no reason that UNLV wouldn't be on the same trajectory. I mean, if they were in a major conference, any major conference, Big 12 or Pac-12, and they're getting $20 million a year instead of $2 million a year? I mean, I, I think that they, it changes the face of that university. I'll ask again one last time, right? What's more likely, Pac-12 just adds Western schools or this loose alliance with the ACC? I think both. I think it's both. Really? Yeah. I think they add and align. Yep. Yeah. I don't know if I could wrap my head around that. I was thinking one or the other. No. I was thinking if the ACC and uh, Pac-12 partner up, you know, and then the ACC is going to lose some schools to the SEC and the Big Ten, that they're just going to look around and go, we don't need Boise, we don't need UNLV, Reno, San Diego State, Fresno. I saw that Fresno reached out to the Pac-12. Good luck. On oh, that. yeah. No, luck. I saw that. Fresno <laughs> State, luck. Boise State, and I think San Jose State. Well, the, you got to try. Yeah, they should. They should. Be aggressive. <laughs> yeah. You need to. Like you like I said, I think I don't think people understand that it's not this is it. The schools that don't get in are not division one anymore. Yeah. yeah. Like that's that's the bottom line in this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think uh, you know, best case scenario for the state of Nevada is exactly what we talked about. UNLV San Diego State go to the Pac twelve. Pac twelve adds a couple from the uh Big Twelve. We'll say Houston, we'll say Baylor, pick another one, Iowa State, whatever, Oklahoma State maybe. Um, Oklahoma State's sort of orphaned now with Oklahoma gone. Okay, they come over, and then UNR jo- joins Boise State over in Big 12. That would be the best-case scenario for Nevada. I don't know how likely that is, but you know that at least Big 12 survives in that scenario. We're, Mountain uh, West is done. We're all, we're all about Reno, right? All about Reno. All about Reno. Sure. You know, it's just with the new office up. Part of my people up there. Yeah, we love them. We love them. Tell them about the new office. Yeah, man, we're opening up up there uh, earlier uh, in June this summer, and uh, so of course we're taking cases up there. Um, You know, we got a a pretty long connection to that to that part of the state, and um, I got a native son, Tyler Crawford, is our attorney up there, born and raised in the area. Went to UNR, um, went to UNLV too, uh, did both, and so. uh, Which one do you like better? I think I think it cheer, I think it, I think it, I think it cheers for the Wolfpack. You know, undergrad versus law school. That's that's how it goes. 
All right, Justin. We appreciate it. Coming Thanks, up, guys. Caleb Harrigan, about 15 minutes. We'll uh, get back into Baker Mayfield on the move from the Browns to the Panthers. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000, with your questions today. I don't want to hope or think about anything. I just want to go day by day and, and be back when I can, whenever I feel healthy, whenever that is, to be able to help this team win. You know, if we're in it, if we're out of it, I'm going to come back and play no matter what, just so I know that I can go out there and play the game. I want to get back just like everybody knows I want to play. I want to be out there with my teammates and grinding each day. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. Hometown hero Bryce Harper hoping for a quick return. I uh, hope the guys in the background are careful around his other thumb or his hand. Sound like a pretty aggressive game of ping pong there. I feel somewhat. I was out in the Phillies clubhouse. They were banging the hell out of the ball. I feel somewhat responsible that I was there. I could have stopped it somehow. Wait, what? When he got hurt. Oh, okay. Could have you were in the stadium. Jumped in front of the pitch or something. Do you think the Portland Pickle would run on the field and knock you out? Probably. I think you're a little too big for that. Was... The the fellow who got knocked out by the Portland mascot was a little small. And I just mean, like, overall stature. Sure. Well, and he, I mean, obviously, that's why he went down so easily. Just took a bump. So, you and I have noticed a change in what we get on the internet and it's all branded media, which drives me nuts because all media is not created equal. And what some major sites have done have become news regurgitators and SI.com is one of them. Now they have real writers there, but they also have a lot of jabronis who basically just pull stuff from other people. And long story short, an SI story about uh, what Jason Lockhanfora, who's now doing Baltimore radio, a, a, a former, I don't even know who he's with now, whatever. He's an NFL insider. He did an interview. Someone pulled a quote from him. He randomly threw out, like, listen, Deshaun Watson's going to be out a while. I don't know what comes out when he's out. Like, it could get even worse. Maybe he never plays for the Browns again. That goes out on one of these, you know, fan sites that SI puts up there. And Jeff Perlman, media guy who wrote the book, Winning Time, uh, he gets all mad and starts going at Lockhart Fora and is like, I don't know who this guy is. He's not connected. And But the root of all of it was someone else simply pulled a quote in a radio conversation and then you got two media guys beefing, two yeah. like mainstream media guys beefing. The whole thing was stupid and really dumb. And then Jeff Perlman realized, like, oh, I just got suckered in by what goes on on the internet now. Yeah. And I'm just raging against this guy. I, I don't even know why I was. Well, and I think the exact reason why he got suckered in is the exact thing that SI has done. Right? I mean, like, mm-hmm. they have a brand. It basically went out of business, essentially. I mean, they still have, as you said, some a couple legit writers around. But they farmed out the name to a bunch of different sites. And now these sites can claim they're from SI and have that reputation behind them, but they're not. And as you pointed out, this this site... You just get the you get these cockamamie, out-of-context headlines. And, and then the masses now, like I've told you before, uh, you know, the SO is up earlier than me, and she's a bigger NFL fan than I am. And she'll be like, hey, this just happened. And I'm like, okay, where did you get that from? <laughs> right. Like, what? Who is it? Is it, you know, Doug in his basement pulling a quote from... That's been filtered through like seven layers. Yeah, be careful. Yeah, and and that's that's kind of what happened to Perlman here. But he he actually didn't even go after uh, Lock and Four. I mean, he was like the guy seems nice enough, but look at his bio; he's not an NFL guy. Well, I think he is. Lock and yeah. Four did that on purpose. Like everybody knows, I'm an NFL guy, so I'm not going to put it in my bio. Right. Uh, and the funny thing was, Lock and Four had Perlman muted, so he didn't you see, see the, he didn't see the there. tweets. But also when 
Perlman posted the screenshot, Lockett Ford does follow him. So it, the whole thing's crazy. Oh, well. A giveaway right now. Two tickets to see the Black Keys Saturday, July 9th. MGM Grand Garden Arena. Uh, tickets at AXS.com. We got a pair of tickets right now. 364-1100. Caller 7.